Welcome, everybody, to the That Kind of Nerd podcast, episode number two, entitled Dare You to Stream. Today, we talk about Daredevil on Netflix, and it's spoiler-free, of course, so you'll be okay. We talk about the culture of streaming, and we round out with my experience with the hands-on with the Apple Watch. This podcast would have been made possible without our GoFundMe campaign, and I want to thank our two original backers, Soren Erzbach and Bobby Palco, for donating money for necessary equipment and software to make this podcast. At the end of the show, we'll talk about how you can support the podcast and get a shout-out on our show. And for anyone who's listened to Episode 1, thank you so much for your positive feedback. We had a great experience doing it, and now it's on to Episode 2. Welcome, everybody, to the That Kind of Nerd podcast. I am CJ Mellon, and I'm joined by my two co-hosts. Hi, I'm Brian Thornton. Josh Burns here. So we wanted to, to kind of talk about some things that kind of happened over the, the last week. Uh, the first thing that I really want to get to before Brian just jumps out of his chair and tackles me through the computer screen is Deadpool. I'm sorry, Deadpool. It's going to be uh, Daredevil going on Netflix, the Marvel original series. Brian, please tell me that this is everything you wanted it to be. Um, it is everything that I wanted it to be and so, so much more. Um, I was so extremely happy and, and just elated with how they handled the character. Real quick for the listeners, I just want to let people know that we're going to kind of keep this spoiler free. If there's a spoiler that we kind of discover through the course of conversation, I'll, I'll handle that in the post so that way you can know you can skip ahead to something. But let's try to keep it spoiler free because I've only gotten to episode four. Josh, I think you got to the same level of episodes. And Brian, you were a daredevil and you watched the entire thing in two, two days, essentially. Um, it, it more like I watched it over the course of maybe 20 hours. Um, after I got done doing my society regulated things, I had to, uh, I immediately went home and I would think I was up to like 4am watching it. Um, uh, so yeah, so I'm, a, I'm still a little tired, but it was absolutely worth it, honestly. Um, so you guys have watched the first four episodes. So, uh, before I get into how much I, I enjoyed it and what I think of it. What what are you guys thinking as maybe not so much the subject matter subject matter experts on Daredevil? So I got I, I took some notes through the first three episodes and in, in episode one, right off the jump, I, I thought, you know, real emotion. Uh dude was absolutely portrayed himself as flawed, really played that piece well. We all know Matt Murdoch is that. Um sort of showed that he was afraid of the family curse or his own power or whatever. And it, the brutality uh, I thought was amazing, like really, really well done. Um, something weird, the opening credits, they make me think of the pink slime from Ghostbusters 2 coding everything. <laughs> and it, and I, I'm like, I'm watching it like this is cool, but I'm waiting for Vigo. And I don't I don't want that for this. So um the Scourge of Carpathia will be much welcome in this <laughs> yeah, series. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but here's the, the other stuff that, that I noted uh, sort of from the comic books that the acceptance um, that life is tough, a borderline unbearable at times was there. Um, that that line that we're Murdochs, we get hit a lot, we always get up. That's It comes through in every single episode. Um Dude acknowledges that strength of conviction is necessary. It's a necessary part of life, and it's almost an obligation for him. And um, what I thought w- was a good juxtaposition and for other superheroes or against other superheroes and is sort of unique to Daredevil is that he's not at all opposed to torture or you know murder when there's an absolute right and wrong. And I'm interested to see what happens when he starts getting a gray area um as we go through the episodes i'm 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 pretty i'm pretty psyched so something i thought was really cool was in episode 1 when we were talking we were talking about deadpool and I was talking about marvel studios and i said hey is this marvel's first rated r venture and brian was quick to point out that it isn't marvel studios so is marvel studios involved with this daredevil part here yes okay so yes. This, this is, is all all marvel this is pretty much the most rated r this is the most extreme thing i've ever seen from marvel ever and yeah, the first, it's definitely the most brutal. Th- and the first thing that went through my head was, this is this is not the movie that you saw with Ben Affleck. If you're expecting that kind of daredevil, you just you, you're you're going to be disappointed in a in a good way, in my opinion. Uh, you're going to be blown away by that. 
and I thought Charlie Cox was such an interesting casting choice. He was from Boardwalk Empire. Loved him. Um, Loved him in Boardwalk Empire. He's so good, and I was so happy to see him doing that. And then um, I think it's Eldon Henson. He was. I can remember this guy from the Butterfly Effect. He was the best friend of Ashton Kutcher. Uh, that's all I can see when I look at him. Uh, the casting, I thought, was just right on. It felt real good. These guys had a good relationship from the beginning. Um, the acting is, is solid. The writing is fantastic. And the production value on this is incredible. Um, and the cool part, too, is that they, they acknowledge the Avengers part. You know, that they actually said, oh, the incident happened. Yeah, they, they actually acknowledge it a couple times throughout the series, which is cool just to see that, hey, it does take place in this kind of larger universe. But... It's still a standalone thing, so you don't have to watch Avengers to enjoy this series, which is another thing. But uh, Josh, you were going to go say I just, something. I wanted to get your thoughts specifically on Vincent D'Onofrio, who I love as an actor um, for pretty much everything he's done. But I mean, obviously, he's most recognizable, I think, from uh, from Law and Order: Criminal Intent. But as as a fantastic actor, can we really buy him at this point? as kingpin like he's gonna have to he's gonna have to do quite a bit um i I think vincent d'onofrio and and as you watch the series those first couple episodes i mean they they kind of build up king just the kingpin character in general he's like this ghost story that oh you know they say it in the first episode everybody goes well you know mister and then they're like whoa 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 we don't say his name he's like voldemort kind of um so when you finally are waiting for like three or four episodes before you actually see Kingpin, you're expecting, you know, this kind of grandiose uh, character. And, and I mean, at first I was like, uh, Vincent D'Onofrio, I'm not so sure he fills that, that those shoes. As as you keep watching the episodes, he is he becomes more and more the Kingpin that you you kind of know. So I, I really like the fact that they kind of build him up so you can go ahead and, and kind of have this lingering thing in your head. You're building up the character so that when they finally can reveal him, while your imagination has gone gone a little wild on there, you still kind of know what to expect. And, you know, to, to me, I've only really seen the, the Kingpin exposed in the, the Spider-Man 90s cartoon. That's where I, I knew Kingpin from. That was my Kingpin and he kind of has that visual look to him. I, I, I buy it. Uh, he looks like that character does. Um, I, I'm only a couple episodes into it, and I don't really want to get too, too far into the actual character development that way. But it's a different kind of kingpin than what I was expecting. Uh, I'm okay with that. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. It's just it's different. So it took me aback. But what that made me do was pay more attention to details more attention to every little thing that was happening, drawing me in as a viewer. So I wasn't relying on the cliche 90 person that I saw. I wasn't pulling out false memories. I was looking at this person in front of me um, doing it. And again, Vincent is fantastic and it's just a great credit to the casting that's happening. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. I mean, as the series goes on, I mean, again, I don't want to do any spoilers or anything, but you know, this isn't just Daredevil, a Daredevil origin story. It's Kingpin's origin story, too. Uh, so he kind of develops into, you know, that character as the series goes on, which is really cool to see. So my question is the same one I ask Brian every single time that something like this comes out. Do you need to know Daredevil as a character at all? Do you need to know these people to to really get into it? Absolutely not. You don't need to read a single Daredevil comic book. You don't need to know anything about Matt Murdock. You don't even need to see the Ben Affleck. Uh, some people would say travesty of a movie. I think that's uh, just a, a running rule that you should do. You should always avoid the Ben Affleck Daredevil movie. But you don't need to know anything. Uh, does this series? I mean, I think Daredevil uh, as a character in general lends so much better to this kind of format where we can do this 13 episode series and, and really kind of build up this character and delve into the, the kind of intricacies of Daredevil and of Matt Murdock. Um, so there is no, I need to read this to understand what's going on in here. I mean, yeah, if you, again, every week I tell you, um, if you read the, the, the comic books at all, it, it just kind of makes the experience better for you, but you don't need to, to understand what's going on. There was something interesting that happened to, to me and my wife because we were watching it late last night, uh, watching it, and it's in a dark room, and everything was, was going fine. And we started watching it again this afternoon, 
um, and I have the blinds like kind of closed, but there's still some light coming in my room. The show itself is physically filmed dark. Um, where I kind of feel, uh, you know, it may be a stylistic approach for actually identifying with Matt Murdock and ad- identifying with being blind and not seeing everything so crisp and sharp. Um, it was just interesting to me. A lot of the if you if you read the comic, I mean, there's a lot of deliberately dark panels, um, and it was the same way with every everything Daredevil has ever done has been this very dark red suit set against a dark background or a brick background, or it's very both urban and rainy and dark. Yeah. And, and there, I mean, again, kind of the way you, you said CJ, that that choice kind of mirrors that the character itself. I mean, he even the, the overarching theme of the character, and he says it in, in the trailer for this series is that, um, good and evil, you know, right and wrong. Some people see it as this sharp line and other people see it as kind of a blur and daredevil lives in that blur. He, he doesn't always, he go always trying to do the right thing. He doesn't always do it the right way. And this kind of murky outlook that he has on uh, the justice system and how he needs to go about getting justice for his city is just fantastic you know, approach to the character to the series to everything and it's one of those things that lets me know that this series is in great hands with netflix you know they've done such a great job so far with house of cards and orange is the new black that when i heard you know netflix is getting daredevil it's just like i don't know how i feel about that but it, it i love it so far it's been real great yeah and and the the response has been really really good so far i mean not even just from People that I know, but just, you know, reviewers, everybody's really responding to it really well. Um, so much so that I'm pretty sure it's getting ready to uh, do a second season already. And they're doing some other Marvel shows through Netflix as well. And what's real cool, again, just going on with this casting, I think Bob Gunton, he's the the warden from Shawshank Redemption. Uh, he's also in this. This casting is so strong that I can't see a real wink uh, weak link in the armor no one here seems to be giving a performance of lackluster no one's character is shallow everyone seems really thought out everyone seems really prepared um it seems like marvel and netflix have really done a great job to make sure that fans get something that they really want people who don't know about daredevil but want to be part of the new marvel universe that's happening are really getting something out of it and people even like my wife who aren't huge on comics are able to dive into this and really sink their teeth into it Brian, let me ask you this question. Having only been through the first few episodes and and noting that there's not a ton of uh, new character introduction or development or seeming like crossover as opposed to a show like Arrow where there's new and familiar characters being introduced only almost every episode. How do you feel maybe without spoiling it too much? Is there more as the season goes on or do you think there will be? Uh, in 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 further seasons, or are they going to really stick to this sort of uh, dead uh, Daredevil Kingpin sort of storyline? Um, I think there is plenty of room to uh, to grow from this point on. Um, as the this season goes on, they they do little hints of other characters in the Daredevil universe here and there. That if you don't know anything about that universe, you might miss it. It's nothing that's like really, oh, you need to know this. It's just something for like, I called up my, my friend from uh, in San Diego. I'm like, oh my gosh, did you see, you know, the, the nod to this guy? And he's like, yeah, oh my, that, that's going to be awesome if they ever did something with him down the line. So they're, they're already started to plant the seeds. Um, also, when, you, when we're talking about like the comic book universe, that kind of like urban vigilante uh, hero, they have more than just Daredevil. There's Luke Cage and Heroes for Hire, Iron Fist, Shang-Chi, Master of Kung Fu, they all kind of live in that kind of darker part of New York where, you know, the the lines between right and wrong are kind of blurred. Same kind of world that Punisher lives in. Um, So I I think there's, you know, already things in the works as far as I'm reading uh, right now. But I I think the possibilities are endless with those characters that are just not movie worthy, but they definitely deserve some sort of attention. Uh, this is just the perfect medium and perfect platform for it. So I think you're going to see some some things happen in season two and going on that we're going to start seeing more stuff uh, approach and, and get spun out, out out of this. If you could pick one one thing that could spin out of this and become a reality, just based off of what you've seen so far this season, is there something in mind that you're like, I now that I know that Netflix can do Daredevil, 
I really want them to do this. Uh, um, honestly, uh, I would love to see them do a, like a Shang-Chi Master of Kung Fu uh, type, more kind of dark, gritty martial arts type uh, of uh, series. I think that would be really cool. Um, I, and again, I, he kind of lives in that world with Daredevil too. So I, I think it'd be really easy to kind of introduce him. But yeah, um, it, it's... Uh, yeah, I mean, if I had to th- just right off the top of my head, that would probably be it. And and this is kind of one of those things too. And we can you know still talk about Daredevil, but it, it's kind of back to the culture of of binging. You know, we we are binge watching uh, Daredevil. Uh, Josh, right now, I think you're in the middle of binge watching Arrow after we finally got you to to sink your teeth inside of it. Um, we've kind of moved away from the traditional week after week. Uh, watching a show, getting into the show, and we've now moved into this, hey, season one is, the whole season is out on Netflix. You know, Netflix could parse this out week after week, but didn't do it. And is giving some shows second lives. It's also giving shows um, the opportunity to really kind of show off their talent. Like, to be honest, if it wasn't for Netflix, I don't think we would have had a successful Breaking Bad like we did. Most people started watching Breaking Bad uh, on Netflix right after season four, uh, right right before season five starts airing, and people consumed it that way. I happened to be one of the people that get in on season two, and I was watching it week to week, and I think the people that got to binge watch it on Netflix fresh got a better perspective on these characters than I did, because especially in that show, that's supposed to happen in one or two years, and you're watching it within a few months, you really kind of see the, the arc, I mean, right away. Well, I was watching it week after week after week. I'm like, yeah, surprise, it, you know, he, he's a badass character. That's just what's supposed to happen. So have you changed your viewing habits to, to shows, you know, the people like, hey, you need to watch this show, to, bin, to be like a more of a binge style now, or are you sticking with the traditional way of watching a show you really like? I think I've always been more of a more of a binge watcher um, because of I, I'm impatient and I don't want to wait that seven days and you know shows like Game of Thrones where I have to wait it's incredibly frustrating um, but I was one of those people that the hype was building about Breaking Bad before season five and that's when I watched uh, the first four seasons leading up to that and then every week. I was waiting for the next show of season five angrily. Um, but I, I, you know, that's the way I, I watch all series at this point. And I, I watched um, House of Cards, all the all the new episodes in less than 24 hours. It's the, it's usually the way I consume entertainment. And Brian, what about you? Are you a person at least watching it traditionally? Are you OK? So are you a little mixed on this? What exactly do you do you do? Uh, I I am a little mixed on this. I I, I feel like sometimes I binge watch shows and uh, I kind of miss some things because I'm just kind of constantly trying to get to the next episode, um, depending on how good it is. Um, And then on the flip side there, I remember, you know, watching certain shows that I just loved every week and having to wait that seven days is just it's agonizing. And and you just want to get to the the next episode. Well, when we uh, Battlestar Galactica was on sci fi, I binge watched the first three and a half seasons and like you got to the end of season three and you were like, Oh my gosh, mind explosions. And then to have to go from week to week, it was just awful. Um, I think certain shows really work really well for the binge watching. I think something like daredevil house of cards, uh, arrow are are really kind of binge worthy. Uh, some things I feel like it's more of a week to week type thing. Um, and I don't have any examples right now, but uh, I, I think, it would serve a little bit better week to week sometimes. And and I'm mixed on this too because, Josh, counter to your point, if I don't watch Game of Thrones week to week, it's going to get spoiled for me. Like the people I come in contact with have to talk about it week after week. So if I wait to binge watch it, I'm, I'm screwed. I'm done. I'm, I'm over with. But just like you said with House of Cards, I needed to, I wanted to finish that thing so fast. I just wanted to, to eat it all that I had to do it. Now, on the flip side of this, binge watching and, and Netflix has kind of really changed the way that you that you buy media. I haven't bought a DVD of a television series in years. I think the last one I bought was Mad Men Season 2. And Josh, I think you've watched – how many times have you watched West Wing end-to-end – Back I have back. watched I've watched West Wing seven times completely um, st- start to finish. And, uh, you know, I, when I started watching it, I, I was uh, I came in probably somewhere in season four. Laura, my wife, was watching it and, uh, you know, I fell in love with it immediately and then started 
watching binge watching i think i had the dvds at that at that time i, I went out and bought them um but that's a long series it's like 123 episodes so i mean just think about that if you've watched it seven times let's just say you can kill it a month i don't think it's possible but let's say you do netflix only cost you eight dollars a month you're looking at what 56 dollars almost 70 dollars just to watch it six times where the dvd set cost you 115 bucks and I, I love this. It's a double-edged sword where I love – like right now I'm watching Quantum Leap again because why the hell not? Ziggy's awesome and I love – oh boy, real you – know, enough that I want to watch it over and over again. But I miss having special features. I miss commentary. I miss those things. Do you miss those extra features now that you're binge-watching stuff on Netflix? Do you wish that they had something like that? No. It, no. <laughs> like not at all. You don't miss it at I, all. I have never, I have never, uh, and I can say this outside of gag reels on like Will Ferrell iTunes films, right? Outside of that, I've never, oh, and uh, Kevin Smith, I've never watched commentary other than those two things ever. I've watched Scrubs at least five times. Brian just knows I just, again, finished watching all the Scrubs on Netflix again. And I've listened to, and I'm not exaggerating, any episode that had commentary, I have listened to two times. I know that show like I was part of the cast, like I was part of the production staff. You um, wish you were part of the cast. I so wish I was part of that cast. I <laughs> love that show. And the special features really kind of let me into the world. You know, for instance, there's the characters that are in the background, Colonel Doctor, Dr. Mickhead, Snoop Dogg interns, or Snoop Dogg attending once he goes up there. Those were just people that were in the background that during the commentary, they had a little drinking game going, hey, if you spot the guy who looks like Colonel Doctor, uh, take a drink. Or if you see the guy who looks like Snoop Dogg, uh, go ahead and take a drink. And then they became so popular through the commentary that they actually brought them into the show. They became part of it, and I don't know what I do anymore when I – because I have Scrubs sitting here in DVD, but I'm too lazy to get up and switch discs, and there's four discs with every season, and I can just go to Hulu. Or I can just go to Netflix, press play, sit on my couch, have to say, yes, I'm still watching uh, every now and then where Netflix like judges you. Are you sure you're still watching this? Like, Are you legitimately still watching five seasons of Quantum Leap? I don't think you're really doing that. Um, but I miss that. I miss gag reels. I miss commentary. And I'm telling you, I would pay extra. I'm, and and if anyone from the Netflix or Hulu world is listening, I would pay extra monthly to go ahead and get those kind of features. Or in my case, I would probably start paying my brother extra you're, to go you're and get that. that kind of nerd. Oh, yes, I am that kind of nerd. <laughs> See, I feel you though, CJ, because I'm right there with you. If I really like a show, or I really like a movie. If I mean, I, I collect movies as it is, but now it's getting to the point where, like, I have the first season of Supernatural, and I love that show. But, you know, every time I go into a store and they're having a, a sale, like a Black Friday sale or something, and I see nine seasons of Supernatural, oh, they're only, like, $10 a piece, but they're on Netflix. So I usually just wait until I can't get it on Netflix anymore. But uh, I'm right with you, CJ. I love watching behind-the-scenes interviews. Uh, if it's really, really good, I'll listen to the commentary. Like, uh Scott Pilgrim versus the world had like six commentary tracks that I listened to. Um, so, I mean, I, I'm, I miss that stuff, which is why I still buy DVDs I miss here it and there. so much. And Josh, I mean, you love West Wayne. I mean, do you, do you read like IMDb trivia or do you read anything about like the behind the scenes stuff of that show? No, <laughs> he just, he just, you were, Josh doesn't care. He just watches. I, I just want to see the main plot, so I'm not look, really man, interested I, look, in anything else that's going listen, on. Listen, listen. So it's like a hot dog. You don't care how it was made. You that's, just want to enjoy. That's not true it. either. And I, I, I enjoy the <laughs> the stories that you hear sometimes when a character leaves a show, or when look when when Opie when Opie left Sons of Anarchy, and I've I've sent this video to you, CJ. When Opie left Sons of Anarchy, they made this video. Uh, of the main, you know, his his main brothers in arms, the main cast, uh, shaving off his uh, sort of signature look, his beard and his hair, with a katana, with a a, a samurai sword, and so it awesome. was awesome. But here's the thing: you've got, you know, and you know Charlie Hunnam and and uh, Mark Boone. I don't know all their names by heart, but these these big like biker dude guys, actors shaving off this guy's beard and his ponytail and crying 
And, th- and that yeah. was a moving video, but they're not all that way. Like most of the time, it's just a bunch of people sitting around joking. I'll say this. The commentary track for Mallrats with Affleck, Jason Lee, Kevin Smith, Jason Mewes. Awesome. Right. Same thing for Chasing Amy. But that's that. you. Ha- I love Kevin Smith. I'll listen to Kevin Smith all the time. Will the commentary itself make chasing Amy better? Is that possible at Don't all? You that, dare. That make- Don't you dare, sir. Yeah, CJ, watch that movie. Watch that movie again. It, it's I, I remember watching it. I, I didn't really care for it the first time around. I just watched it again, and it's a lot. It's really good, actually. So you need to watch that again. Well, so I don't, and I don't mean to cut you off, but this this is a part of of the nerdism, the nerd culture that we're living in, where I think now most people who are getting into shows or getting into series, especially if they're streaming them, um, it's a I consume it once and either I come back to it over and over again or I never go back. And people don't get to know some of the ins and outs of these shows, especially when they're they're not relevant anymore. If I try to show my little brother Quantum Leap, my brother's twenty two. He he won't really care about that. That was that wasn't really anything that he would care about. And the graphics don't you know hold up in you know for his sake. But I think if you got to know a little bit about behind the show and you got to know about the people, you kind of invest more in it. Or Josh, do you see it as just like, listen, you're breaking the fourth wall too much. I don't want to see behind the scenes. I don't want to see how it's made. I just want to watch this no, show. No, and I think it's not about breaking the fourth wall because it, it, it's not – I don't have a problem seeing how the sausage is made. It's it's good. But I when I'm done a series, I want to move on to the next thing. And that doesn't make it any less – special or that I'm any less connected to it. And I I hate sounding like I'm emotionally connected to these series, but in a way, when you invest that much time, when you're binge watching a series, you really get invested, you get connected. And I've, I've watched scrubs, uh, end to end, I think five times, um, which is a really easy show to consume. And I would recommend anybody do it, but that last episode, man, I'm, I'm emotional about that episode. And you know, several times throughout, you're really connected to the characters and to their stories. And, you know, Sons of Anarchy is no different. The Sopranos for me is no different. I just, I've watched all of these more than four times. And when I'm done, I'm, I'm glad to be done. I don't want to feel the sting of it being over anymore. And I just want to move on to something else. You don't ever read your high school yearbook then. That's what I'm also gathering. You don't go back into your yearbook and check that. I'm not even sure where my yearbooks are, homie. I don't even know. (laughs) No. So, uh, all right. So real quick, I'll jump on the scrubs train for for just a minute. And I'm stealing a line from Brian, so I'm giving you credit. Netflix will try to fool you and tell you that there's nine seasons. There's (laughs) not. There's only eight after season eight happens. Just ignore what Netflix is telling you and just enjoy that last episode. It's a it's a glitch in the matrix. There's, there's no other season after that episode. Right, exactly. And I do want to say for the record that Quantum Leaps holds up no matter what age or what time you are in. Well, we can agree. Episode. We can agree on that. But we're also <laughs> we also don't mind watching early episodes of Doctor Who. I mean, that's how campy. And sort of low budget yeah, the Quantum Leap was. When you're saying early episodes, are you talking 2006? Or are you going back in the vault to classic? No, I've who? gone. I've gone back to classic back. Who. Absolutely, I've I've watched those, and you know, I, I watch them with the kids, and I got Christian and Zoe both going. This is weird, and Laura going, Yeah, I can't, I can't get behind <laughs> this at all. I'm watching. But I mean, it's Quantum Leap. I I remember watching that in reruns when I was a kid with my mom. And it still held up, even though at that point, like Jurassic Park was coming out and everything. And those, you know, quote unquote CGI and everything wasn't really the the best out there. It still holds up no matter okay. what. But are you watching Cheers or Taxi or MASH or any of those? Right, right. See, now that's um, the stuff that I yeah. watch with my parents and I get nostalgic about. Quantum Leap, not so much. Like they just weren't into the sci-fi thing. It's got to be. For them, it was sitcoms and drama shows, Hill Street Blues and all that stuff. But, I mean, for a different age group, it's always going to be different. So this this brings up a, a part of it, and this is part of the discussion I want to have. Trying to find Quantum Leap on DVD 
so that way I could get these features or I could get what I want is pretty much next to impossible. And not in the sense that I, I can't do it. I can easily go on Amazon and find it, but I can't just like walk in on a whim and go ahead and, and find this. So Netflix has done a great, and, and Hulu and all these other streaming services like, like Amazon, has done a great service to resurrect some of these old shows that you don't have to physically go hunt for, that they're there. And they're helping us, you know, save money uh, so that way I don't have to go buy a box set of Quantum Leap because after I'm done watching the five seasons, I'm not going to watch it again. And if I do, it's going to be years from now and I'll catch it again on a streaming service. Now, this brings on a question to me, too, is do you think there's a change in the way that television is made? Because we don't need things to end in cliffhangers and we don't need things to end on to be continued because once this gets either into syndication or this gets to a streaming service, that's kind of null and void. Because I don't see many to-be-continues or too many cliffhangers on television anymore. Do you think it's because of this? I, I think that TV is is making more uh, more shows that have a bit more continuity and a bit less small story arc, right? The shows that we're talking about, you know, Doctor Who, there's an, there's an underlying story, but, you know, there's only two episodes that deal with this one thing or this one enemy and... Uh, you know, Quantum Leap was very much the same way. But now, you know, the most popular shows over the past few years, How I Met Your Mother and The Big Bang Theory, it's just one continuous story. So we don't need to be continued. It's nice at the end of a season. Uh, and I think we still have that even on Netflix. We have a, you know, a cliffhanger at the end of Peaky Blinders, House of Cards. You know, it's you still get that. Yeah, I mean, I... I get that there's always usually like a cliffhanger, especially for like a show like House of Cards or even like Game of Thrones at the end of a season. But you don't see too many like to be continues or anything at the end of the episodes just because I, I agree with Josh. And I've said this before, uh, the, the small screen is just getting bigger and bigger. And it, it's being treated more like it's not a half hour episode or an hour long adventure. It's a 13, 14, 24 hour movie, essentially. And it's one overarching story. So um, it, it's definitely different the way that you know, TV shows in general are handling it. Um, but, you know, I, I, it's it's still got that kind of common thread through it. Well, see, I'm seeing the opposite. I'm not seeing huge, big story arcs running throughout as a 13-hour movie. Like, 24 is one one thing. It's it's one story, and it's arching over that 24 hours in, in real time. No, it has subplots to it, but it does that. When you look at something like House, that's an episodic adventure. It's a monster of the week. Let's find it. Let's get it in. Let's get out. There's something that, a current that's underneath there every episode that keeps things connected, but it's not a continuous story over and over and over again. It's episode. Uh -uh, no, House was absolutely a continuous story in the same way that Doctor Who was or that Quantum Leap was. Yeah, they dealt with certain big things in each episode, and that was over at the end of the hour, but the, the underlying story with House's team – with Cuddy, with you know his 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 buddy there, always an underlying theme in every episode, regardless of who had lupus or, matter of fact, didn't have lupus. It's never <laughs> lupus, by the way. It's never lupus. But yeah, when you're talking about a show like House, the the story is the character development, it's not necessarily the plot line. When you're talking about a show like Arrow or Flash or even like House of Cards, it's it's. A mixture of definitely the character development is there, but the story is mainly in the plot line. How is Oliver Queen going to save Star, Star Starling City this time or that kind of thing? Um, even uh, Supernatural is the same way. You know, we had this overarching story of, you know, the end of the world for three seasons. But at each episode deals with, oh, we're hunting vampires this episode. We're hunting werewolves this episode. Um, so I absolutely, uh, you know, think you're wrong, CJ. So I'll, I'll concede to the fact that I'm entirely wrong. Um, I have no problem now. You guys bring up good points. Uh, and I think that television has has made some strides, actually, to kind of embrace some of these other ways of, of getting some streaming. Uh, I'm sorry, not getting some streaming, but crafting their show to, to be better for watching it week to week, but then also so getting some, some binge watching. So let's get to this. What shows are binge-worthy? Binge what show... Uh, and I want to hear this from, from Brian. I want to hear from everybody. But let's start with Brian. What show do you think right now is binge-worthy? What do you think you need to binge-watch right now? Besides Daredevil? Because that's 
honestly top of my list right now. Yes, besides Daredevil. If you were if you were that kind of nerd and you were talking to a nerd who's like you and you said, hey, you need to watch blank. It's on Netflix or Hulu. Go. What would you watch? Uh, I mean, I, I have a, a couple of go to's for whoever um, hasn't seen certain things. If you haven't seen the uh, new version of Doctor Who, I usually say that. And that's because of you, CJ. So thank you for that. Um, Battlestar Galactica, the newest Battlestar Galactica, I, I recommend to a bunch of people. Um, if you're looking for something more lighter or, you know, um, it's or comedic, you're looking at you know, like Scrubs or How I Met Your Mother or even uh, Eureka, which was only five seasons. I love Eureka. I know how you two feel about it. I think it's fantastic. I don't like the it. I, I... No, it's the one with the, the sheriff of the, the town uh, with all the geniuses that, that everything starts going wrong. In. Area 51 is under a town. Is it, wait, is, was it on pretty, Nickelodeon? Pretty Why do I like remember? It's on sci-fi. sci-fi. Wasn't there, the wasn't there a show was called Eureka like yes. with a purple dragon yes. or something? Yes. Yes. Yes, it was on Nick. Yeah, it was Eureka's Castle. Whatever, dude. Eureka's I don't Castle. fucking know, Skip, like, Skip from, dink from dink. Castle Skip or Ricky dude. Whatever. Like, I just, you fucking say Eureka, and I think fucking Purple Dragon. That's all I, that's all I think. <laughs> all right. I got Laura, I got Laura iMessaging me, Eureka's Castle, for Christ's sake. <laughs> <laughs> I think that, uh, I, I'm not going to go with anything current, so to speak. I, I, I do think that everybody at some point needs to watch uh, Deadwood, which was on HBO. It's it's on HBO Go or HBO Now if you have an, an Apple device. And the writing is brilliant. The character development is brilliant. It it ended it ended uh abruptly, but I will say that it's probably the best writing I've ever heard on HBO. It's phenomenal. And then um you know we've said scrub so I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna rehash that. Um, but if you have not watched the West wing, you need to watch the West wing. I just, there's no, for me, there's really no better series that's been on TV, both for drama and for emotion and humor. And, uh, Aaron Sorkin really knocked it out of the park and then followed up with studio 60 on the sunset strip. It was very short, but man, was that an emotional series. I say for me, there's there's a definite show that I think you should go back and throw into, and that's The Wonder Years. Um, that show holds up so well, and and I'll speak from a personal experience. You know, I became a father a few years ago, and I'm starting to see my own childhood and how I wanted to give my daughter a childhood. And watching this, you kind of see the overarchs and you kind of forget the little things as a kid that always got to you that were those big major life moments. And I want to make sure that I, I can kind of do them correctly and I can be there for my daughter when they happen. So I found myself really like choking up over some moments that never really resonated with me when I was 11 or 12 and I was watching it. But now as a, as a father, it's really hitting me hard. Um, so I would really watch that even if you're not a, a parent of anybody. Um, it's still just a great p- period to watch. And I think if they remade it now, it, it would hit from the 1990s to the early 2000s. So it's just such an interesting uh, piece that could still really uh, hit you hard. Um, I, I really wouldn't recommend anything else. It's very long. It's, it's fantastic. And it's definitely something I would suggest that everyone can go ahead and, and, and watch. All right. So the next thing that I, I wanted to talk about was something that the reason why I didn't get a binge watch all of Daredevil last night was I had a very early appointment and very early in the sense of me being a lazy bastard who likes to sleep in uh, 1045 at the Lehigh Valley Apple store for an appointment to try on some Apple watches. And um, it was a different experience than what I thought it was going to be. I thought it would be a more uh, consultative, like one-on-one approach, uh, but it was very casual uh, I got to try some some of them on. So here's the deal. I posted some of the pictures on Instagram and Twitter. They're on the website, thatkindofnerd.com as well, so you can read my experience with it. The main reason I wanted to go in, and I'm sorry, 90% of the population is going to tune out right now. I am a left-handed person, and uh, I wear my watch on my, rest, on my right wrist, and where the digital crown would normally be is the top right-hand corner. And uh, when you put it on your right wrist, it needs to be on the bottom left-hand corner. So my problem was, holy crap, I'm going to be hitting this button over and over again, uh, and I'm never going to be able to use this watch. Uh, needless to say, that's not the case. So if you're a left-handed person and you worry about that, don't. Go ahead. You're good to go. Go get your watch. 
But then it became, okay, which one do I want to get? Because I would love to spend $1,000 on a watch for the exact color and the exact band that I want, but uh, I'm not a crazy person and I can't do that. Um, so then it became, which one do I want to experiment with? And I'm a Pebble owner. Uh, and I love my Pebble, and it really gets me through the days and, and keeps me connected to everything that's happening. So when it came time for an Apple Watch, I was kind of hesitant to go ahead and spend some extra money on this, but I fell in love with, ironically enough, the sport. So um, I'm talking to the Apple representative, and I said, hey, listen, um, is there any way I can see some of these other bands on the sport edition so I can know how they look? And Josh will atone to this, we have probably the worst Apple store in the country. Um, it... <laughs> They're they're just they're not professional. They don't always know their stuff. But um, not not, not at all that? a reflection of other Apple stores. It's just that I I don't know if it's the leadership. I just know that, and I've gone into this Apple store with uh, a good friend of mine, Benji, who was a market leader for Apple and has done training. He understands what the vision of good is in an Apple store. We went in there to get his iPhone replaced. We had an appointment at the Genius Bar and it was he we walked in. It was 3 weeks before Christmas and he's like this isn't right. This is just all wrong. Like there's nobody welcoming us. The guy that should be welcoming us, he's standing over there talking. It was just culturally this store needs a revamp to your point CJ. And and the thing I really want to let people know is if you're interested in the watch, I think you need an appointment. I, I really think you need to go see these things and try them on. Uh, the pre-orders shut up pretty darn quick. Uh, I mean, if I pre-order mine tomorrow, I think it gets here in July. Um, so you gotta you gotta move proactive on this. I pre-ordered yesterday morning, like eight a.m. So five hours after the pre-orders opened, and it's mid. I'm gonna get mine mid-May. Uh, so yeah, so you can tell they're they're in demand. But here was the best part about having the bad Apple Store. Uh, the guy uh, initially, when I posed the idea, "Hey, can I try another band on?" was like, "I'm sorry, really, we we can't do that." I was like, "Oh, all right, cool." So I showed, I pulled up my sleeve because he was going to put it on my arm, and I have the pebble, and it became this. Well, wait, what what is that? I was like, "Oh, I have a I have a smartwatch. I have a pebble." Uh, he's like, "Well, what does that do?" I'm like, well, it gets me my notifications. It tells me who's calling. The guy didn't really know, but here was the cool part. All the managers start coming around and huddling around us now because now we're having a conversation of what does the Pebble do? What does the Apple Watch do? But all the managers' faces were like, I don't know. Hold on, sir. I think you are misinformed because you told me that works with an iPhone. And Apple just made this Apple Watch. Did you come from the future with that watch? (laughs) It was it could it cannot possibly work with the iPhone, sir. You're you're incorrect. Uh, it just became this like That's insane. This, it, well, it was funny. It was and it was funny too because this one manager, after I got done explaining it, you could pretty much tell they're like, if Apple wasn't making a watch right now, why go buy this? Um, but I got it. I got to shoot the shit enough with the guy that I was like, listen, uh, listen. I, I know you're really not supposed to, but anyway, I could just see a leather band on on the sport. And he just kind of looks around, and is like. Yeah, sure. Why the hell not? So I got to go ahead and I got to I got to try some on. So I have some pictures of me wearing the watch. I was told not to take pictures of him breaking the band rule. uh, So you won't see that. But it comes down to this. I kind of discovered something at the end of this. If you're looking for a smartwatch and you want it to work with your iPhone, you need the Apple Sport. If you're looking for a watch that happens to be smart, that's when you look at the Apple Watch and the Apple Watch Edition. Other than that, there's no real big need for this. So, Josh, which one did you pre-order? I pre-ordered the stainless watch, not sport, with the black leather loop. Uh, so, can you can you please say that statement again that you just said, but qualify it a bit more? So, some people who just want to be able to have something on their wrist that's personal to them to track your health and fitness – to get your text messages, to quickly reply to, to notifications, will do just fine with an Apple Watch Sport Edition. It's light, it's durable, it's it's the entry point is about $350, so it's, it's not that expensive. 
and it will do everything that you want it to do. Now, if you're a person who likes watches and you care about the quality of the watch, you want to feel something heavy, good on your wrist, something solid, you'll like that. I'm not a person who, who likes watches. I always feel like I have a handcuff on me, like someone just cut off part of a handcuff and left it on. I always feel like it's weighing me down and, and I don't feel like I'm carrying it well. The, the Sport is 60% lighter than the stainless steel one and just feels so light and breezy that you kind of forget that it's there and it be, it's starting to become part of you instead of a fashion accessory. And that was the part that the Apple rep was really trying to, to show was that the the higher editions feel like fashion items and they don't feel like pieces of technology. Would you agree with that statement, Josh, knowing a little more about that now? Yeah, I absolutely agree with that statement. I, I think that the sport edition is is made for exactly that. Um, and I don't think it's just by the look and feel of it and the band itself. If you've never worn a sport band like that, it, it's not I wouldn't call it pleasant, but I'm I'm using it for, again, fashion. I, I need to look like I have a business piece on my on my arm. Brian, was this something that you were even remotely interested in trying on and spending money on? Um, I am absolutely interested Uh you know, thanks to you two, I've actually become a pretty big Apple fanboy. My my thing is, I'm always leery about buying new, brand new technology when it comes out, whether it be Apple or Android or whatever company puts it out. There's always initial bugs to work out and everything. So I'm personally probably going to wait. I may, I may go in and try it on. I was too busy today watching Daredevil, so I did not get a chance to actually go into a store and try on the watch. I'm definitely going to, I'm interested. I want to try it on. Um, and then I will definitely be squirreling away some money so I can pick one up. CJ, how can how can anybody just go try it on? What do they just walk in or what? So the best way to do it is to go and download on your iPhone the Apple Store uh, application. So this is a little confusing, so let me clarify this. There's the App Store, and then there's an Apple Store app. Uh, I have terrible phrasing on, on Apple's part for that. But you can download that, and you can look at appointments. On the home page, you'll see Apple Watch. You'll see uh, Learn More or Make an Appointment. You go ahead, you click that. You have to log in with your Apple ID so they actually have your information when you walk into the appointment, it'll show you the available dates, times, and locations. So you can pick which Apple uh, retail store is the best and most convenient for you. Uh, and then you can go ahead and schedule a time. Now, right now, it's very hit and miss on getting appointments. I made mine on Friday morning at about 8.30. And the only one available for the next day is Saturday was the 10.45. The rest of them are all taken. Um, I will tell you this. Apple will not do a walk-in fitting unless they are entirely dead. And what I mean is I had two other Apple representatives that were at the the watch section waiting for their appointments because I had got in at 1045. They had 1130 appointments. People were floating around looking at the Apple display. They will not take the walk-ins for that. So every Apple store is different. As we kind of discussed, the Apple store in the Lehigh Valley for us isn't exactly uh, the most accommodating all the time. So maybe you can get lucky at another store. But go ahead and make an appointment through the Apple application, and that way you can secure it. And what's real nice is just be nice to these people. Just talk to them. Figure out what you want to do, whether you know a lot, whether you know a little. Um, you'll find that they can be quite accommodating and answer a lot of questions for you. The Apple store isn't a, a typical retail location. So for listeners, it's it's not it's not Best Buy. It's not H.H. Gregg. It's not Target. These aren't people that – you go in and you say, I want one of these, and they go grab one. These people know everything about the product that they're talking to you about. They know how it works with other products, what complements it, what accessories work well, and, and even within the accessories that they offer, they'll give you their personal preference. It's a, it's a really different type of experience, and I recommend that you know when you go in, go in with high expectations and don't be afraid to ask all your questions. No, absolutely. That's that's 100% true, and, and I, I couldn't have said it better myself. The thing that I also realized, too, was I really – and I didn't know this about me. I wanted a watch you can get on and off pretty quickly. Um, so I was looking at – I did that – what is it, the Milanese bracelet? Is that the – It's like called the, the Milanese loop, yeah. Uh, I hate that. Um, it, it didn't feel good on my skin at all. It felt very irritating, almost like wearing a, a like a cheese grater on my you arm. Don't, you don't like and a $450 watch band on your arm, CJ? 
<laughs> no, it felt too rich for my blood. My blood was uh, <laughs> actually getting visibly upset and causing a rash. Um, but no, it didn't feel good. And when you take it off, it was it was it was still attached. But here's the upside to it: if you do like that kind of style, it got you the best fit. It stayed on your wrist so well, and it's very important that you actually kind of wear this watch a little tight. I like to wear my watches a little loose so they have a little give to them. Uh, but the haptic feedback on the Apple Watch is so different than just a normal vibration that if you don't have it really kind of against your arm, against your skin, um, it doesn't really pick it. And it, what I wanted to do, this is a little interactive part, so I want you guys to do this as well. Just take uh, two fingers like you're given a peace sign and then put them together. So almost like you're going to check a pulse. And then put that on your wrist and just quickly move it, just like you're telling a buddy, hey, wake up, wake up. It's this How do you wake people up? Well, I'm very gentle when I wake <laughs> people up, Brian. They're not usually drunk in a stupor like Burn, so I don't. I usually I, shove I, them. Uh, yeah, I just I normally grab whoever's sleeping by their feet. Yeah, I grab them by their feet and I just drag them out of the bed. <laughs> and that's how your cell phone does it. Your cell phone does it. Get the hell up. Look at me right now. Seriously, you're not looking at me. What's going on? Uh, the Apple Watch doesn't do that. It's a light, gentle hello, hi. Down here. Do you mean want to check me <laughs> it's out? It's a beautiful day. It's it's wonderful. You should go get some cereal. Come on the down. Weather, the weather in Cupertino is 83 and sunny. <laughs> <laughs> my my pebble does it with, hey, hey, yo, hey, 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 dude, down here. It's not too abrasive, but it's just outside of New York City. So it, it's ready to get aggressive if it has to. So the haptic feedback on the Apple Watch is so different. And it's 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 relaxing actually. And what I thought was annoying, but I found that you could turn off later, was it will actually make sounds too. So when you're you know your text message tone, ding or woohoo, uh, it'll make that sound. Uh, but you can turn that off because I could see anybody being in a, a social setting or a business setting and hearing waza <laughs> would probably not be good from your watch. Uh, so I mean, if you if you text me, I have the TARDIS go off, so that'd probably be awkward in, in social settings. It's like, is that a Velociraptor? What is going on? I no, actually, that this is gonna this is gonna make me get more creative about what notifications I have because I want to be like I want to be in line at at the at the theater, like waiting for my tickets, and get a text. But hey, Copernicus, why don't you navigate your way to the back of the line with your shoes and stand there with your shirt, and that'll be my text notification. <laughs> And you'll be thrown out of most major establishments because of it. But you know what? It's going to be, hey, it wasn't me. It was my watch. And, and everyone, Can't blame the technology, oh, well, you, bro. Oh, sir, you paid $700 for that. Please come back into the theater. <laughs> um, but this was such a – and this is the part where, I, I again, Apple has done something different than everybody else. The, the display on it is beautiful. The only way I can kind of really relate it to you is almost like a super amyloid screen. So like a Samsung Galaxy uh, device or, or a Moto X. The blacks are very black. So when you get color and you see font, everything looks like it's jumping out at you. And in a great way. It's not aggressive. It's just like, hi, you can clearly tell that I'm important. And it kind of runs into the frame of the device. So it looks great. So even wearing a 38 millimeter which is what i tried on first you could still see everything that was on the screen and you got a great experience now after you put the the larger size on you can't go back it's just like getting a, a big screen tv you can't go back to a smaller one um but it just made a world of difference so everyone should at least make an appointment if you're interested in this to try it on to see if it's worthy and try on some of these bands because there were some i loved and, and some i hated and i, I don't want to to go in too far into it uh, but I really think that it's going to be a very different experience for everybody that gets it. So it really will be the most personal device. They've and ever CJ, made. it is it is an AMOLED display. Just to clarify, um, not not like an AMOLED display. It is an AMOLED display, and uh, it's it's built to do exactly what you said. You know, bright, vivid colors. Uh, the the black shouldn't be a charcoal. It should be flat black, and that's. That's what it is, and I, I think that they've done a great job constructing it, and it's it's a it's a real nice piece. I can't wait to see one in person, and I, I didn't need to see one to buy it. I know that I want it. And the other part for this too uh, that I, I I was actually surprised on this the Apple Watch Sport, the Sport one, is actually using the same glass display that the iPhone six uses. 
when you get to the Apple Watch and the Apple Watch Edition, that's when they do the Sapphire. So uh, I'm hoping that third parties will come out with uh, some form of screen protection for it. Uh, we were talking about Apple Care when I was at my appointment. It's actually pretty affordable, but hopefully some third party, uh, you know, like care uh, companies will come out with a way to protect your device. Um, so that way you can have your Apple Watch protected by somebody else other than Apple. Um, but they looked pretty good when it came to to what they were willing to cover with Apple. I know that I know that Square Trade protects wearables in a couple different uh, retailers right now. So I do expect to see that. By the way, I work for Square Trade. Uh, I don't mind saying it. We're the number one warranty company in this country, and we're fantastic. So there's a shameless plug, but we will absolutely cover the wearables. And the Apple Care stuff sounded really great because I was also so my daughter. I want to keep this away from my daughter as much as possible. But you know, Apple cables are notorious for fraying after doing nothing to them. Just having my Apple cable sit on the desk has apparently caused it to split right down the middle and lose all its white <laughs> shelling. And I'm and I'm paying hundreds of dollars for a watch. And the last thing I want to do is, hey, it's been six months. Uh, I kept it on a shelf and now it's fraying. Uh, they're going to replace it within the one year through the, the manufacturer's warranty, and they'll cover another cable uh, too through Apple Care. Um, so it's helpful because I think they're forty five dollars. They're, they're, they're twenty. twenty nine dollars for the charging cable, and I think the key That's crazy. Well, the key for really to have a healthy any cable, regardless if it's micro USB or thirty pin or Lightning or the the new Apple Watch uh, magnetic, is to have multiple cables. You know, I have. Um, a MagSafe adapter at my desk for my MacBook, and I have one in my backpack that goes with me. So I'm not like I don't have to plug and unplug all the time. The one that I'm using at my desk is reliable. It's there. I plug it in and I go. Uh, the same thing goes for charging cables. There's one in my car all the time. There are, believe it or not, four charging cables in my backpack at all times, um, and I always have. I always have that whether it's I whether I need it or I have myself and a colleague with me and we both need to plug into my Mophie or whatever. It's always there. So the other thing I, I want to do too, I don't want to harp on the Apple Watch the whole time. I do want to talk that if you're an Android person and you've been sitting here listening to us going, um, dude, I'm not, I don't care about this at all. Uh, the Pebble Time, uh, we have an article coming up about it on That Kind of Nerd as well, is pretty much a smartwatch that can be for anybody. So if you go to the Apple Store and you're trying to get a gift for your mom or your girlfriend or maybe someone who isn't tech savvy, like um, like my, my little brother, he's very tech savvy, but I don't think he'd do with an Apple Watch. The, the Pebble Time uh, has a steel version, which is just as gorgeous as the Apple Watch. But they also have some inexpensive ways to get into the smartwatch, and they're Android compatible. And they're actually compatible with the Android Wear uh, SDK. So you can get the Google Now notifications, and you can go ahead and you can use your Android device to its fullest with it. But also get a Pebble experience that will work with iOS too. So not just saying that the only smartwatch out there for anyone who has an iPhone is the Apple Watch. There's, there's really the Pebble is really the only one you should invest your time in. But there's different ways to get it. And if you're an Android user, um, you still should look at the Apple Watch just to see the fluidity of it. Because in my opinion, I think that Google Wear has a more fluid experience. The Apple Watch, while it was responsive, wasn't as fast to process some of the things that we were doing. And that was on a demo loop. So I would you know, get a break to go ahead. I could quickly get in and, and just fiddle with something before the demo loop kicked in. And the watch wasn't as responsive yet. Now, I'm assuming that's because of the demo software, and I won't know until I actually have one. But you should also know that there are alternatives out there, and you don't have to just look at the Apple Watch for your device. Anybody have anything else that they want to talk about? Not really. We can edit this part out. That's not a problem with me. Clear, clearly. No, this. Yeah. I want to leave this in. Clearly. Let's leave no, this piece you want, in. You want, you want, no, it's in. How do you like that? This is in. Ladies and gentlemen, you got a little bit behind the scenes then. It's in. I hope everyone's happy. Oh, look happy. at me, editor-in-chief. Mom, I'm going to leave it in. <laughs> I'm going to leave it in. I'm going to leave it in. I'm not leaving it in. We'll do a live. We'll do a live. We'll do a live. Oh, I'll end with this. 
All right, so that kind of wraps it up for episode two for us. Um, we really want to thank everybody for listening. And just to recap, if you haven't watched Daredevil on Netflix, please do yourself a favor and go watch it. Um, it's beautiful. It's dark. It's gritty. It kind of reminds me of the Batman Begins, but you know, for Marvel. And it really encapsulates some of the events that have happened from the other Marvel uh, television shows and movies. So you can feel that this universe is really coming together. Uh, if you don't have a Netflix account, borrow one from somebody and just watch this thing. It's amazing. Um, if you are interested at all in the Apple Watch, we're going to have a couple articles up on thatkindofnerd.com. One of them is Josh's perspective on it. The other is my experience at the Apple Store. And for the lefties out there, I'll vouch for the left-handed experience on the phone. Uh, and finally, if you don't feel like breaking the bank and you want a device that works with either Android or you just want something other than the Apple Watch, we'll have an article about the Pebble Time Steel and the Pebble Time so that way you can kind of get another perspective on what other other smartwatches are available for you. Uh, again, I also want to let people know that we are recording this podcast before episode one airs. So we do have a phone number so that way you can call and you can leave a comment and we'll play them on the podcast. So you can actually be part of our show. And that phone number is 484-373-4119. Um, call and leave a message. Uh, if we like what you say, we'll go ahead and we'll put it on the show. Uh, just know by leaving a message, you do give us consent to go ahead and use your voice on the podcast. So we appreciate anyone who is willing to leave a comment for us. And at the end of the show, we'll talk about our GoFundMe campaign uh, that can help with this podcast so we can get necessary equipment and software uh, to finish our shows and really kind of make them high quality. So thank you, Josh. Thank you, Brian, for taking time out of your day uh, to, to record this with you. And uh, thank you for the listeners for taking the the hour out of your time and and doing this so thank you very much guys thank you for listening to the that kind of nerd podcast we want to thank everyone for their support and it means so much to us that you listen to our show but we still need some help so on our website thatkindofnerd.com we have a link to a gofundme campaign that will help us buy more equipment and necessary software to make the podcast Whether you donate $100 or $1, we appreciate everything that you do, and we'll give you a shout-out on the website and at the beginning of the podcast. So go to thatkindofnerd.com, look for our link for our GoFundMe, and help the show keep going.